0: hey guys welcome back to bodies in the bayous season one the texas killing fields episode 28 a family affair today we are going to bring you an update of episode 17 which was titled genetic genealogy and dna bring long awaited answers
1: Gretchen, you want to get us started on that? Yeah. So in episode 17, we brought you the case of Dean and Tina Kloss who were found murdered in January of 1981, but not identified until January of this year, 2022. It was not, it was not until they were discovered and identified that law enforcement connected with the families and it was discovered that they had a one-year-old child who was missing. The newly formed Texas state cold case unit began looking for her to see if she was alive or if possibly you know, she had been murdered also. And just recently they announced that they did find her. She is in her forties. She's 42 years old and a mother of five. At the time she went missing, there were no children in Texas that were abandoned. Um, or child unidentified remains that matched her description and so they had to start looking outside of the state so last week when the cold case uh unit made the announcement that holly marie had been found she was located on the birthday of her father which his mother said was a gift from heaven and i do want to say
0: holly marie was the name given to her birth that is not actually her uh as identity. far as we know, yeah, uh-huh. we
1: don't, we don't really know what her identity is now. Um, the family has just really kind of asked for some privacy, why they kind of reunite. I think what's amazing about this is two things, you know, it took 40 years to even start to put some of this together, um, about this case, but how quickly they were able to discover who she is. I mean, it is really phenomenal because you're talking what, six months. And I think when we first started talking about this case, one of the things that I was, you know, kind of thinking was Dean's mother was still alive. So, you know, she was finding out that her son hadn't left, you know, voluntarily cut off all contact with her. But then, you know, knowing that her grandchild was out there somewhere there had to be that realization of, I hope I've survived long enough, you know, at her age to actually be able to find that answer. And I think for, for me, I was thinking that it was going to take too long, you know, that, that she probably never was going to know what happened to her grandchild. So the the news this week has been incredibly exciting <clears throat> that they've managed to make contact have, um, virtually some contact back and forth and speaking back and forth and um and so they're they're able to start to have some sort of connection Mm -hmm. and i also
0: wondered you know with how quickly they were able to find her if she had not already maybe did like a dna type of testing whether it's 23 me or something like that Um, because that is relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, considering that it's not in state also.
1: Well, and I, you know, I think applause have to go out there. We covered the fact that the Texas cold case unit was, um, being founded way back, uh, around the, when we first started getting started with this, uh, podcast. And that was exciting to us to know that the state was going to start to take on some of these cases and start to look into some of these cases. And then for this case to be that case that has come out, you know with such amazing results Mm -hmm. Um,
0: and you know that has to make them feel good and say you know okay this work is worth it this unit is worth it let's invest in this unit you know i mean it has to be you know um i guess inspiring in a way right
1: and i think you know it it definitely says to texas and to other states this is worth putting the money into Mm -hmm. you know the funding um because these answers, and you know, you're hearing about these answers in case after case, not just some of ours. You know, through this genetic genealogy research, and um, and we'll put that plug out there again. You know, if, if you're interested, test your DNA, load those DNAs up on Jed Match or Family Tree, allow law enforcement to have access to them um, for these research purposes, so that these we can see more and more of these families get connected. Mm-hmm. But to go back to this case. Um, So what happened was they, the story that has been released is that they tracked down information saying that two women who identified themselves as a nomadic religious group brought baby Holly to a church in Arizona in 1980 and gave her up. They stated that the religious belief separated them from women, from men. And the group was vegetarian, not allowed to use leather products. They also had given up another child in the past at a laundry mat. No more information on that story has been out there about whether or not there's any truth to that or not. They were wearing white robes and were barefoot. So if you, if you want, there's a lot more information in episode 17, but if If you kind of remember that, that should trigger a memory of, uh, in episode 17, we talk about Dean's mother was also contacted shortly after not hearing from the young couple by a woman named sister Susan, who was similarly dressed in a white robe and barefoot claimed that the couple had joined the same cult and did not want contact from these, from the family. These women wanted to sell back. Dean's uh, car to the family and were willing to bring that car to Florida to the family. They actually met up with the family, uh, brought the car. In some reports that have come out just recently, they said that law enforcement was actually involved in that transaction and law enforcement did have some contact with not only Sister Susan, but another woman who was there and possibly a man who was there at the car exchange. But so far, no records of what happened with that has come forward. Um, So the hope is that maybe some more information will come forward in a deep dive into those records. But um, so now you have these two very similar incidents with this story of this cult. And um, so Rick Allen Ross, who's a cult expert, he has reviewed the case and believes the cult sounds like a group called Christ Family. This group wanders state to state, mostly in the southern states. So you can find them in California, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, and also um, some in Florida. And then um, he said that new members who joined the cult would be asked to send their children away, that the children were not um, accepted within the cult. And then Ross also believes the group could be responsible for what happened to the couple. So in doing a little more research on this uh, cult, this is kind of what I found out. The, um, the description of the women that was given does sound very much like the Christ family. They did dress in robes, had kind of a white uh, headscarf or headdress. Their core belief was no sex, um, no killing, and um, they, no materialism. The cult was founded sometimes in the, sometime in the seventies. Um, and they were known to travel around those states that I named earlier. The men would let their hair grow down and their beards grow down. Um, there are pictures of them out there, uh, in recent years where they've been interviewed and they kind of look like old hippies, Mm -hmm. but dressed in a white robe. Um, lots of people refer to them as dressed in a sheet. Or a white sheet. Um, they preached the smoking of pot, which they referred to as God's herb. Um, known to sleep in parks and eat out of uh, garbage cans, which were they referred to as the salad bowls of the earth. I was a little confused here when I found out about the garbage can eating because if you're a vegetarian it must be more difficult you know when eating out of it kind of
0: what's weird about this is, is you're describing some of the things that they believe in mm-hmm. and there's some things that you'll bring up in just a little bit too but it almost sounds like a spin-off of the mansons so you know what's weird because that's what they did too
1: yeah Um, I actually found, um, some information that seems to relate this cult to some involvement between them and David Koresh out of Waco too. Okay. Um, not sure if, if the members kind of co-mixed a little bit, or if members who were leaving Christ's family kind of joined up with uh, Koresh, but there seems to be some, some mixing of membership there. and uh, so I don't know about Manson, but again, you're talking about a narcissistic individual who mm, kind of makes yeah. his own religion. And so at one point, this organization or cult um, was known probably in the 80s, the early 80s, to have roughly about 2000 members nationwide. Um, members were expected to sell their possessions and send the money back to one bank account that was held in, in California that only few people had access to. and. I think when you talk about the difference between a religious organization and a cult, one of the things that you have to be clear about is cults. It are not just religious organizations. Cults have total control of like your possessions, your livelihood. You know anything that you would have. So it's that, almost
0: communal. It's, yeah. it's more like communal mm-hmm. way of living. You know. So, you share everything and it's all about the family or whatever. Right. So, but yeah. in,
1: in so many ways, like this was a lot of like this This guy who was the cult leader was a guy named Charles McHugh, who um, claimed to be reincarnated um, from Jesus. McHugh called himself, um, not only was he Charles, but he also called himself Lightning Amen. He was a Korean War veteran. So the cult's going pretty strong up until 1987, when, uh, McHugh is actually charged with, uh, drug possession and having a firearm, he had $30,000 worth of methamphetamines. He denied, um, having possession of the amphetamines with the intent to sell, which I don't know, maybe he wasn't intending to sell, maybe he's more intending to bring it back, but one of the things that does become very, very clear is not only the abundance use of uh, marijuana in this cult, but also the the use of meth. so he was sentenced to seven years in prison. Um, he's later brought up why he's in prison on some more gun charges, some more drug charges as they investigate. 10 other members were actually uh, jailed too at the time for growing $900,000 worth of marijuana. Uh, the headquarters for the group was in the desert a town outside a helmet, uh, California. Most of the members lived there without running water or really much of a shelter or anything. But in that compound, Charles had this uh, nice house that was cleaned and maintained by the sisters. Only a few people were allowed to be in there. But one of the things, you know, that comes out of this and you kind of start to pick up in the message board is not all of these members gave away these kids. Mm -hmm. so there were children who grew up on this compound with these families so not all of them kind of adhere to this whole idea that the kids need to leave but the kids were not an essential part of the organization yeah it wasn't like growing kids like came out of relationships you know within the family Mm -hmm. and they might some of them definitely did um they just weren't looked at as kind of the essential Mm -hmm. part of growing the organization and staying in they were more looked at as a liability a liability Mm -hmm. yeah um so the irony in this whole thing is that this was considered to be um a peaceful religious leader who taught no killing no killing of animals but you have to ask yourself so if that's your religious belief and your core belief but yet you do have quite a few guns Yeah. so um so after he goes to jail the numbers dwindle over the years while he's in prison he still has a a bit of a stronghold um of some numbers but it definitely starts to dwindle down and then he dies in 2010 but the group is still active today so there are still members of this group who are active today so (sighs) there's a lot out there on the message boards um Law enforcement hasn't come up and cleared up the dates, but it does seem like, um, so the the Klaus family seems to be in contact with their own family up until October of 1980. And then it seems to be that the communication becomes cut off and then they're discovered in January of 1981. So you're talking about a relatively short period of time here. Mm-hmm. So. And then they haven't come out and exactly said when holly is given up at the church in arizona but it is sometime in 1980. so it is before the bodies are discovered but not necessarily before her parents are actually killed right yeah so there's a lot out there in discussion boards about how her parents probably joined the cult and then gave the gave the sister's permission to have the child given up for adoption? Um, I don't think so, and here are a couple of reasons why. One, when they're found, they're actually found in, with clothing that would match a description of a normal individual during that time period. So you know, you're know, you found in kind of 80s style clothing, jeans, some shirts and that kind of thing. They're not dressed in ropes. They're not barefoot. You know, there's not anything that ties them back to the possibility of being members of this cult. Okay. And then number two, they had communication with their family members up until a short period of time before they're killed. I just don't think, even if they joined, even if they decided, hey, let's go out and let's see what this is and, and look at that, I just don't know that they would have left their daughter At a church in arizona as opposed to taking them to one of their very involved family members that they had just lived with okay so i guess if that's what you believe my counter to that
0: would be then how did this group if it is this group the christ family get this baby i guess would be i
1: somehow i think so there are two theories behind because now. they they might have the car right right you they know, have the car believed. they have the car and the baby right so there would be two thought processes behind that one is somehow members of this cult got involved with this family in some way shape or form and then there was a um, an argument or a fight that ensued because he's badly beaten you know um and and they're murdered you know whether or not that's over you know, maybe they saw something with drugs or maybe something to do with drugs or, you know, or maybe just, but, and then there's the baby. So they can't quite figure out what to do with the baby in the car. And so they take the baby in the car and they flee to Arizona. Um, and these are members of the cult who got involved in that. Or it's somebody who knew about this cult and decided to kind of in order to divert attention, kind of have this persona of being a member of this cult, and that would divert attention once the bodies were found and once it was found out that the car had gotten dropped off and the baby had gotten dropped off. You know, when somebody put it all together, they would be looking toward the cult mm-hmm. as opposed to looking at other people who might have had involvement with this family. Because... I mean, that's a lot to take on just to divert a murder though. I mean, right. which. To... Should... Took forty years a murder that took forty years to identify the, the victims. Yeah, right? um, I mean
0: that's a, that's a lot of, like going the extra mile to cover up mm-hmm. to me to, and you know, I, for them if they aren't with the group or being groomed by this group, and then mm-hmm. maybe like you said they saw something that they didn't like and decided to pull out from this group, and they didn't like that or thought they could turn them into the cops for something, you know, and they felt like the only way to like solve their problem was to kill them right. and then you know unfortunately get rid of holly right right so i don't but it's like you can you can be murderer of adults but you can't murder a child which i know that sounds really kind of really messed up so don't take it the wrong way no, but, I know. you know it's like collateral damage almost uh-huh. like why not
1: why i guess would be i don't know i just just in the way that they're dressed, in the way that they're discarded in that field, I just don't think that they were members of this cult. Mm-hmm. I
0: just don't. I mean, it's, and like I said, it's possible that maybe they were going toward leaning that way and then something last minute came mm-hmm. up and you know the cult members didn't like it. And if they're all amped up on meth, I mean, right. we've seen how many stories, like after each story, after each story with methamphetamine involved, where they're ramped up Mm -hmm. like that you know so it could have just been like yeah you know drug induced rage
1: and it could have been something to me it could be something as simple as this family dean and tina gave somebody who was a member of this cult a ride and that member hooked up on the meth or something like that decided that they wanted the car and you know yeah, but they could have sold that car. I mean, they didn't have to take that back
0: to the family. I mean, that that to me is yeah, like the weirdest weird. thing, yeah. you know? I mean, that's the one thing that makes it almost weird, unless, think about it this way. I mean, and we could go on and on and debate this. But, but like, unless these sisters thought, okay, or they're told, take the car, take this baby, get rid of both, take it back to the family, blah, 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 right? Uh-huh. And they don't even know that that couple's been murdered
1: and maybe they don't maybe you know. they don't i i definitely am leaning toward somebody actually more than someone mm-hmm. more than one person more than one person involved in that cult had something to do with this homicide of these two individuals mm-hmm. um And but the only reason and before I was willing to really kind of just kind of poo poo that whole idea when it was just the car, but when you have the two incidences together in two completely different states, yeah, I am. more and more sure that and i'm sure that law enforcement is doing a lot of investigating onto you know who was the members who um what was their involvement see if they can track down somebody by the name of susan well sure know. and
0: i mean there's there's members out there that have left oh there, are yes you there know are a large so of i'm sure there's now. ways and i mean you know the cops i'm sure are digging into that yeah. investigating whatever but i mean yeah there's there's members that have right. left that are gonna corroborate that i'm sure maybe not necessarily for this murder but yes this is what that cold did Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: so our hope is that you know we will have some updates coming future this case is moving i have to say this case is moving relatively quickly for for as cold as this case is this case is moving relatively quickly it sure is so um and you know Definitely the hearts go out to the family, you know, thank God that she is found safe and she gets to reunite and spend some time with her aunts and her uncles and her, you know, um, her grandmother and have some of those relationships and stuff like that and have some, some answers for her and some answers for them. But my hope is that answers are coming.
0: Mm -hmm. Agreed. So, you know, as we talk about this, and even though one family is kind of getting some answers and some closure, it's, been forty years of not knowing where their family members are, and not having that place where they can mourn them or just have that moment with them, and I guess that kind of ties into the next couple women that we're going to mention today because their families still
1: don't have yeah. answers. So, and that's that's where we are headed today. So, we're going to talk about uh, Detta D Taylor Maris. And this is one of those cases where we just don't have a whole lot of information. But again, you know, there's a there are family members out there still waiting to know what happened to their loved one. Mm-hmm. And so, Detta was a 35 year old housewife, a mother of one teenage daughter. She lived in a quiet neighborhood in Pasadena, Texas, with her husband Willie Ray Maris. And she was last seen on July 14th, 1990, and. Again, this is one of those troublesome things where police will put out a call for information, but they're not giving you anything either. Mm-hmm. So we don't know who reported her missing. We don't know how she was reported missing. What I can tell you is her missing persons case was not covered um, anywhere pretty much in newspaper accounts or anything like that that i can really find of a call out to try to figure out where she was almost like
0: nobody was really rooting to find her or like right you know know, really putting that effort into searching and stuff. yeah it's Mm just
1: kind of um one of those things like you know you're talking about you know 1990 and she goes missing and it's just that kind of expectation that well she probably just left Mm -hmm. you know that um just another runaway Mm -hmm. But eight months later, her badly decomposed body was found in Liberty County in a rice field. Police state, and still to this day, have actually put out a public statement that said contact with Willie was evasive. He was evasive to questions. Therefore police have little information into the death and disappearance of data. They are not giving us also a cause of death. Mm -hmm. So badly decomposed body. So cause of death may be questionable. Um, However, I kind of go back to, she probably didn't put herself in the rice field. She
0: probably didn't put herself in the rice field and she didn't just like want, it's not like she was like had Alzheimer's or something and got lost, you know? No,
1: it's too far away. Yeah, where, exactly. where she's, Where's her home located and then where she's located. Mm-hmm. It's just way too far away for that type of thing. I, you know, I have to be very careful though when police say, you know, that he was evasive because no matter what, when you have husband and wives and and a a wife go missing especially you know somebody around this age um and they go missing from their home the police are going to focus in on the husband as being that person of interest Mm -hmm. you know until they can clear that person it would have been anybody living in the home really right Mm -hmm. anybody who who could have possibly done that living Mm -hmm. in the home and so but not everybody is going to have that personality where they're going to say okay i'll just keep answering questions answering questions until you rule me out and you start to find out what really happened so he may have been evasive he may have had something to do with his wife i don't know but he may have also been to the point where he's answered questions answered questions the police have come out and he's answering the same questions and what he's looking at is knowing that they're looking at him and eventually, as maybe a self preservation, or I don't know, you know, he's decided that he can't,
0: mm-hmm. can't continue. Like he's to kind do that. of just right. shut down.
1: He's shut down. Um, and so, this just again, this is one of those things that we don't know. Publicly, none of her friends come out. Nobody really comes out from her family and um, and says anything. So, her daughter definitely um, stands behind her father. and again, we're not in that relationship. So I'm not going to judge any of that and say that she shouldn't have. It's just that anybody else who was on the fringes of that who might know some information hasn't come out and tried to like publicly get the public out there trying to find out what actually happened to to Detta. So uh, Wiley worked at shell oil for most of his adult life. Um, and then he dies in 2020 his obituary states that he was a devoted father who loved cooking, fishing, and boating. The one strange thing that I will give you on this obituary is it says he is preceded in death by his father. There is no mention of him being preceded in death by his wife. Hmm. So, and to me, that's, that's a little odd. Um, he doesn't remarry. Whether or not, you know, there's message words out there who talk that he did have relationships over the years. And of, of course, you know, I mean, she dies in 1990, you would expect that, you know, from 1990 to 2020 that he would have relationships, you know, people shouldn't live just in a box, right. But, and so I'm not in any way judging him for that. But it's just that part of it to me is just a little yeah
0: i mean i do kind of find that strange too because most likely if his daughter is still alive which it sounds like from the obituary yeah. that she is she would have written that Uh huh. you know i mean you would think she'd write her mom in you know i mean like you said everybody's different the way right. they handle things are different but if you never remarried you would just think it would be you know
1: so was the oddest thing that i found in the thing. yeah that's the only i i especially
0: if it was written by the daughter
1: right i don't know i don't know the answers on that one so um and all i can say is that sometimes though if that shadow has been over you all of your entire life maybe it's that we won't put that shadow over you at your death too you know because that's true um so But at some point, again, there, it'd be nice if there were some answers here, you know, she's been dead. And this is one of those cases that's again, another hard one. It's not going to be solved by DNA.
0: You don't think so? You don't think they have any kind of samples from her
1: body? No. So the uh, decomposition of being put in the rice field, which is like a very wet and marshy area, um, in Texas, no, being found there eight months later. Yeah. There's that's sad, there's nothing there, so
0: I guess it's that not knowing would mm-hmm. eat me alive, it really would,
1: as a, as a daughter, you know. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So, the next case that we're going to talk about is uh, Catherine Ann Hamill, Kathy, as she was liked like to be called was a 28 year old woman who lived in Houston at the time. She was five, weighing about 120 pounds. She had brown hair, brown eyes and a small scar near her left eye. Kathy disappeared on March 23rd, 1998. She, um, worked at her job at 24 hour fitness, left her job and headed home. Her boyfriend, um, who was the father of her three year old daughter was a guy named Jose, R. Our, our Nels said he saw her around 3 p.m. Uh, Aaron Noles, I think. Erin okay. It. So he saw her around 3 p.m. And then he left and then he returned around 6 p.m. and she was not there. Jose and Kathy had a rocky relationship. They were known to fight and argue. Witnesses said that they had been fighting in the days before her disappearance. However, it was said that it did not, it, it did not appear that anything was amiss in the apartment that the two shared. Her family always believed that her Jose had actually killed her. The question, they always said the question of why was, why would she return home from work and then leave again? And also Kathy was a devoted mother to her daughter and her family said she would have never left her daughter. She has never been heard from again. Her body has never been identified anywhere. Um, Every anniversary for years after her disappearance, her family returned um, to Houston from New Jersey to meet with law enforcement, to search for her, to knock on doors, to bring light to her case. Law enforcement finally told the family, this case has gone cold. They didn't believe that anything could change that unless Kathy's body was found. In 2006, her mother held a memorial service for her on her anniversary. After her disappearance, her daughter was raised by her father, Jose and his family. She would later visit her mother's family in New Jersey while growing up. Um, again, this is one of those where you don't have, you know, that smoking gun to say, Hey, really think this is who did it um, and I I kind of understand where law enforcement struggles here if there's if there's nothing in that apartment to point to anybody but I but I also understand where the family struggles with this mm-hmm. I mean you I can understand law enforcement because I think
0: if they had enough to put the pressure on Jose mm-hmm. they would have. Right. You know, they would have tried to crack him and question him kind of like they did the husband previous in the right. previous uh, case that we just discussed over and over and over. Right. Apparently they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, unfortunately, that doesn't give the
1: answers to the, her family, though. Right. And she you had know? more than one job. She also worked at uh, Nick's Sports Bar, too. So she definitely had several different jobs as she's trying to make ends meet as a young family. They're trying to make ends meet. Um And so I think one of the issues being there is that there are so many different connections, you know, that she's got to different people at all these different jobs and trying to track down what could have possibly happened. I, you know, they just never have have gotten there. But again, this is a family who has waited years to have answers. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those that, I always think, you know, and I always kind of take the description of her and, you know, as I'm looking at different cases and I'm running through some of those unidentified remains cases that I kind of keep her in mind, hoping that at some point in time, something will pop up and something will be noticed. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those, if somebody's interested in spending some time on those databases and, you know, trying to find out, it's a very, very short window for Jose though. if if you're gonna put that blame on him it's a very short window basically from when she saw has seen it three until six that's only a a three-hour time period for him to have you know got killed her, her and covered it up. covered up right mm-hmm. so but that's if you believe his time period because that's his time period told cops that's not necessarily him being alibied at one place or another but again if that's not the case if it's something with somebody else that she knew who comes by you know who may have um had an obsession or wanted a relationship or something like that who did some harm to her that stretches out that time period quite quite farther sure so you could be in any state well we've seen them in just an hour right Mm -hmm. so um but again her family and her daughter they're still waiting for answers here and actually to be fair so is he sure if he's not involved so is he sure you know and uh and so everybody involved in this would really deserve some answers and if if this could be solved, it would be good. Okay, so the next t- case that we're gonna bring you, we're um, gonna talk about Hope and Moore. Hope was 5'4", about 100 pounds, strawberry blonde hair. She was the mother of two. She may have gone by her middle name of Anne, or her last name prior to Moore, which was Autry. She was living on Galveston Island with her boyfriend Clint Kent whom she had a son with. She was still married to her first husband, but in a, but the relationship had ended years before and Clint was also married at the time, but um his relationship had ended it is believed that hope might have had an affair i don't know where exactly that comes from it comes up occasionally that maybe hope was having an affair and kind of ran off i'm tending to think that this is something that came from clint
0: yeah i mean i always lean that way too with that just kind of giving that excuse Uh
1: of why she
0: would run away run
1: off yeah So Clint's brother, Scotty, soon moved into the home and this caused what was already a shaky relationship to become even more of troublesome. So at one point, Hope had actually claimed that Scotty had raped her. Hope did have a problem with drinking and drugs. got involved with law enforcement and um, the court system, she was submit, she was ordered to submit to drug testing. And those tests had all come back clean in the recent uh, months before her disappearance. On, um, on April 25th, 1990, Hope came home in a truck from her work. She was working at a car dealership. She packed a bag, and but when she went to take the truck, she could not, as it would not work. Clint claimed that she was headed to a hotel, and so he therefore disabled her truck so that she could not leave. Um, he stated that he took the fuses out of her truck and said that she left with another person in a Chevy and Paula with her bags, her checkbook, <clears throat> And all of her information.
0: I mean, that's really weird. If she came home from a truck from a dealership, why would it not work? And why would he go and take the initiative to take the fuses out of a truck that belongs to a dealership? So, I mean, that's just...
1: He, um, so, he's I definitely... Mean, I mean, he's definitely doing that so that she can't leave. Well, sure, She's sure. obviously but, saying, I'm leaving you. I'm I'm going and I'm leaving you. It's just a so, nerve to do that to somebody else's property. Right. It's like The one thing here I think that she probably was doing was saying also that she was probably taking their son Mm -hmm. so um and so he's he's at that point in time doing everything that he can possibly do to make sure that she can't leave with their child Mm -hmm. so um according to him she left her son behind she she did though and i think that we have to you know be clear about her and her history she did have another son at the time who was not living with her she had actually placed him in a group home a few weeks before her disappearance it does make you wonder what issues with him at home there were that she was she trying to protect him from whatever was going on um he was 11 at the time He, we have reached out to the family for some comment and I don't want to make it think that, you know, we haven't, um, at this time, they would hope to have some resolution in this case, but, um, don't want to want to get involved in the podcast and we do respect that. But in later interviews, he states that his mother was not the best mother, but she did not deserve to have anything happen to her.
0: And I, the only one thing that always kind of concerns me and I mean, hopefully I'm not overstepping, but how much of that has he been told to you know growing, i mean i know a certain amount of it he was going to be fully aware of because he was growing up with her but right you know <clears throat> excuse me if somebody continuously puts something in your head you you might believe that too
1: i i think so but i mean i think that you know, I I take his recollection that she yeah. was not the greatest mother, and and one of the reasons that I think that that's clearly true is the involvement in the drinking, and the drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it it would be difficult for her to, you know, have that and and be, you know, world's greatest mother. So and and so I'm sure that she, she had a lot of issues and was trying. To figure some of those out, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know that, and we don't know what issues you know her having were also causing issues with him at home either. Right. So, um, I I can't really say that, but but at the same time, I think to, you know, it's one of those cases where people will say, well, she never would have left her son. But you do have to kind of, in this case, say there is a possibility. Right. You know? Um, and so it, you can't put that out on the table that she wouldn't have. Um, when she did not show up for work on the 26th, her boss at the Ford dealership did not find it strange, but did find it strange, I'm sorry, but at that point in time, did not call the police. It wasn't until the next day when Clint brought the truck back that Hope, um, and said to him, bought the truck back, gave him the keys back and said, Hope won't be needing this anymore. So that's when her boss is the one who goes ahead and calls in a missing persons report for her. Mm -hmm. So according to... Please, her family said she was known at the time to leave for a few days at a time. Um, this would be um, that she was known for to leave for a few days at a time. So when Clint asked about his whereabouts after you know disabling the truck and leaving her at home, he said that he had driven three hours to visit his parents and drop off her son, and then he drove three hours back. Um, when he arrived back, um, he came back, he fixed the truck, and um, Hope never came back to the house. And so, therefore, he chose to take the, cup to the truck to the dealership. Again, I have to go back to this. He's disabling the truck so that she doesn't have the ability to leave. And especially so she wouldn't have the ability to leave with her son. And then he's taking the vehicle that he has and driving that kid three hours away. Mm -hmm. I mean, really six when you do a round trip. And so he's making sure that she doesn't have the ability to, um, do that. Yeah. But at that point he said she's left. Uh, no, the brother says, she, so the brother Scotty who's living there is the one who claims that she left in, a, in the Impala. Yeah. So, um, well, it's confusing because actually in some interviews he says that too. And then later he goes back and <clears> says <throat> that he actually found that out from the brother that that's how she so, left, so she
0: left after he went to drop off
1: the sun? That's what he's saying is that he takes the sun, kind of leaves, you know, getting, clearing the air um goes to his parents drops off the sun and then comes back and then she's not there so um and then you know his brother says well she left with another person in the Chevy Impala Interesting. So so a few days after that, after dropping off the truck and her being reported missing by the um, owner of the Ford dealership, which I have to give this guy credit. I mean, thank goodness that somebody is reporting her missing because who knows how long it would have gone if it was not for her boss being concerned and saying, this is weird, Mm -hmm. you know, and reporting her missing. So a few days after that, um, Scotty, the brother, actually begins pawning her jewelry and forging some of her checks. Some of the things that he pawned was gold rings, and one of the things that Hope was known to is that she had rings on every finger. What's sad about this is there doesn't seem to be any information of whether or not the rings that he pawns are the rings that she would wear every day. Right. You know, Um, the amount of the check that he cashed that was forged is the exact same amount that's in her checking account that would have closed it out. And before anybody says, well, how do we know that he forged it? Maybe he didn't forge it. I don't know who forged it, but clearly handwriting experts have come in and said that this check was forged.
0: I actually think in an interview, he admits to that.
1: Oh, I believe he does. He, You're right. I I'm think sorry, in I an what. interview
0: with the police, he actually admits mm-hmm. to that and says that he was given permission to or something like that, right? he like was that, given right? permission
1: to. Yeah, and, and
0: that's always weird because, I mean, the exact amount, though. Mm-hmm. But then the other
1: thing that's weird about this is, so she's headed to the hotel to kind of leave, you know, let off some steam, get some things, you know. And she and doesn't she, need her money? Well, and she supposedly checks her checkbook, but leaves him with this one check that she's allowing him to forge. So for all the amount that is in her checking account
0: yeah so she would have no money for herself
1: and you have to question yourself now if you remember back then we weren't doing online banking or anything like that so you have two ways of figuring out what the exact amount down to the cents are by the way in your checking account you're either going to call the bank or you have the checkbook register or your
0: bank statement that would have come paper
1: yeah but you wouldn't know whether or not anything else was had gone in between I guess yeah I guess you'd yeah. like
0: to that day yeah right. you're right
1: so so you had two choices there my guess is that he had the checkbooks and the checkbook register mm-hmm. so
0: um yeah because it typically you know you'd have like your checks at the bottom and then at the top would
1: be where you registered it all mm-hmm. and, you know and at her job She had recently begun to earn a raise. Her boss was incredibly happy with her work. She was doing a very good job. Clint says um, that um, he really felt like this was just very typical of her to leave and go missing. um, And that he pretty much just expected her back. Um, He actually...
0: And in, and in all fairness it might have been if they have this long history of drugs and drinking and mm-hmm. you know all this that might be typical of their history where her boss right. would not know her like that
1: no and her boss would
0: not know right her like i that. mean and all he has to go off of is you know from the time she's been employed she's been on the straight and narrow right, right. Mm-hmm. and people change and i I think that's important to say here is no matter what her past was people can change you know and Mm -hmm. if she was on her path to change for the better sometimes it's hard for family members or people friends that you're close to to accept that change right you know so i just want to make that very clear you know
1: however to me okay there has so Years later, when Clinton's interviewed about this case and the DA's office in um, Galveston starts to take this up and starts to take another look at it and they do more interviews on on him and he comes back, he still believes that she's, like, purposely hiding, that she started another life somewhere. When asked whether or not he believes that his brother had anything to do with it, absolutely 100% no.
0: So. um, Well, I mean... (sighs) If he killed her if they were involved in her disappearance in any way, they're not going to admit to that. Right. No matter what the past is.
1: My problem with this is that, you know, this is one of those cases where I feel like this case is not going to get any better. No, not unless they find her
0: body or find her. I don't
1: even see what finding her body would prove to you at this point.
0: Well, wouldn't it prove...
1: That she's dead?
0: Sure of that She's or dead.
1: any speculation. There has been no movement on her social security number. There's been no movement on her name. Any of that, police and, and the DA's office are very well aware of. There's there's nothing out there. And 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 here's the thing: you can be the type of person who goes off and you know spends some time away, finding yourself or getting your shit together or whatever. But you're going to, at some point in time, have some movement on your social security number. Sure. You can't live
0: off. I mean, I personally don't think you can live off the grid that
1: long. Even people that think they're living off the grid are not living off the grid that much. Right. So she's not arrested. She's not ever charged with anything. She doesn't ever come up in any system. Her social security number never comes up in any system. And that's all of this time.
0: So. Well, and as a mother, if you if you want to say it like that, you're getting your shit together, you're going to come back for your kid most of the time. You're going to go back for your kid, you know? No. Especially if you're trying to straighten up for them, you're going to do that, you know? I mean, I personally don't think that she's alive, but I do think if they found her body, there's that possibility of being able to put pressure on somebody. Maybe. You know? Maybe, but I don't think this case is getting any better. Mm-hmm. So because if they if they found her say within so many miles and they could say Clint or whoever was there they could start putting pressure on people mm -hmm. you know
1: i unfortunately feel like they this is just me but i feel like they had enough five ten years ago to go ahead and charge them as co-conspirators but what you don't
0: think they did it because they didn't have the body right yeah -hmm.
1: Yeah. Which is, is unfortunately typical. So, I think that that it's, it's one of those cases where
0: And you think they didn't do it because they didn't think they'd win? Right. Like the DA wouldn't win? Right. That
1: feeling like that, that they could that enough doubt could be, because of her past enough doubt could be um, cast on her that the jury might believe that she was out there somewhere alive.
0: So have they ever gone back in and just, uh, what do they do that when they presume them dead or whatever? What is it called?
1: Uh, I don't know that she has ever been declared dead. I think um, from looking at the information that out there, it still seems like she's uh, listed as a missing missing person. person. Yeah. So they've investigated her case as a homicide, though, is how it has been investigated. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know what I'd be more curious about is that
0: three-hour drive everywhere in between there. Every field in between there. Any possibility of, you know, a bayou or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you could dump a body. Oh. You know, that's that's a lot of time.
1: And again, this is one of those cases where this, not only the extended family out there that, that she has and stuff like that, but this is two kids who've grown up without their parent. Mm-hmm. So it's time to, at some point in time, say... We have answers yeah and i guess you know you asked me about the um the only way that i actually think this case might get a little bit stronger is charging both of them you know is because maybe if you charge both then one because no matter what i believe and and this is just me and everybody else can have a different opinion here i believe both of them know what happened to her
0: I definitely believe both of them know what happened to her or one can assume the other person's role and what happened to her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's like, you know, your brother well enough that you, you don't find that suspect that he's pawning her jewelry and getting her money out of her account. And if you loved her and you had nothing to do with it, you would have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Right i i still like so unless crazy. unless you're just like that's my blood that's right. my blood i can never mm-hmm. turn on my blood right <sighs> but i mean if I mean, that's the mother of your son
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know that's the that's for me i but guess see, is the biggest that's you
1: seeming to think that that it's the brother scotty who had something to do with it i actually personally believe in my in my opinion that it's more likely that Clint, the boyfriend, had something to do with it. He's the one who's there in that moment disabling the car. Well, sure. So because that she can't has... leave. So there's something that's going on at that moment between the two of them that he doesn't, that he's controlling her enough that he's disabling the car.
0: Well, sure. I mean, he's the one, I guess, that has the reason, mm-hmm. right? And his brother kind of gets roped in. Like, it, he would be the alpha in the situation of the two of them, right? And then he's probably like, go pawn her jewelry or go do this or, right? I mean, I can see that too. I think they both equally are involved. I don't know as far as, you know, in the heat of the moment or when she was possibly killed, like if they were both there or not, but they're both supporting each other Mm
1: -hmm. there. And then to put it on to this, some stranger in the Impala that's, Nobody ever comes forward and knows anything about. And there's plenty
0: of Impalas in the area that you could question, which I'm sure at some point they've questioned people that drove Impalas that
1: might have had any connection to her. But I think where every – but see, and then the other thing that I go back to is this. I always go back to this one thing. He takes it back to the dealership and he says, she'll no longer need it. Mm -hmm. So if it was somebody in the Impala, somebody you didn't know, then why are you so sure that she doesn't need the money in the accounts, that she's not shown back up there for Mm -hmm. the rings and that she no longer needs that truck? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but again, there's always a possibility out there. That, and it's
0: almost like you've got to return the truck so they don't come there looking for it to you.
1: Right? Yeah. Because somebody's going to start asking questions. Well, sure, the because they're yeah. going to want that property, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I'm assuming she borrowed it from the lot. Or... I think, as, like, when you work on the car lot and stuff like that with the dealerships and stuff, you're able to do that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. I, and, you know, I think, again, this is a family who doesn't know what happened to their loved one. So... We'll put it back out there. If you know anything or have any information on any of these cases, even if it's just a little thing, please get in touch with, you know, the Galveston, we'll have the information for the Galveston County um, on our website. We'll have the information for the cold case uh, for Pasadena on our website and the information for Houston on I'm sorry, not on our website, on Facebook, on our Facebook page. So you can look at those and please call and give any information to law enforcement. But just getting information about these cases out there to try to help these families solve things, you know, or to figure things out, um, I think just brings light to these cases. And and our hope is that eventually they'll be solved. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for joining us today. And we hope to uh, hear from you next week.